uh, always feel like I'm not doing enough or not right. doing it well enough. So crazy. Uh, or uh, you got Domino's, not even Papa John's, Jonathan right. Sanders. <laughs> you only got on. four cheese pizzas? Pizza's pizza. Come on, man. That's not true. I How that. dare you say that? Because everyone knows that youth minister who gets Little Caesars. <laughs> Fire him. But it's a budget. You got to stick with a budget, man. Nah, you waste the budget on that. You just get rid of that. Till we're all growing a beard. A man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer. Well, good morning, guys, out there in uh, the internet land. Really glad you chose to join us. This is uh, Behind the Beards, and here we pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and uh, do our best to reveal the things that you need to know about the people who are called to lead your ministries um, and your churches. Um, Joshua Fowler, preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and my partner here, Aaron Partlow, who is in Topeka, Topeka, Kansas, a youth minister um, in transition right now. But then uh, it's good to see you this morning. Things uh, are kind of a whirlwind. Of that's how I, that's how I feel. Also, my cats are like deciding to go crazy right now, so they are literally parkouring, hardcoring. All over this living room that's down here. So if I get distracted and I do this, it's because like one of my cats is doing backflips off the back of the couch. Yeah, we are like youth minister in transition is hard. It is. It is. It is so hard. And maybe we'll do an episode next week about the difficulties of youth minister or minister in transition because like you're so excited <clears throat> about starting uh, this new job. You're so excited about working with a new staff, working with new leadership, um, <clears throat> mostly for me, like getting to know all these uh, new teenagers and figuring out what ministry is going to look like uh, for us. Um, but then like your heart like hurts because you also like are still here. And so I'm still connected to these teenagers. I'm still connected to this leadership, still connected to uh, the staff that's here. Uh, and so you do your due diligence and you do whatever uh, you need to do to, you know, do your job here. Um, you know, and so uh, it is, it's, it's very difficult. Steve has a good point here that it's, it's very hard to be in transition. Um, you have these highs uh, and these lows. And I agree. Like I have these really big, like we just went to Texas, Josh, by the way, a big praise uh, for all you have been praying for me in my transition, I, I I thank you for that because God is hearing you guys because we put our house on the market two Sundays ago and it sold in six hours. <laughs> in six hours, the realtor called and he was like, hey, um, we should take this deal. They, uh, they're offering full price and they have a large down payment, which means they probably aren't backing out uh, anytime soon. And so it was... It was awesome. So my wife took the whole first week of February off and a little bit into this week um, because that's kind of what we were hoping for and be flexible to be able to jump. So I called the realtor in Texas and I was like, <clears throat> are you free this week? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, I can be free Tuesday, Wednesday. And I was like, all right. 
And we we house sold on Sunday. We packed up, drove eight and a half hours down to Longview on Monday. Looked at houses all day Tuesday. Uh, went to the hotel crying because we were so discouraged at what we <laughs> saw. It was terrible. Uh, and then Wednesday we found we found three houses that we loved. One was in a neighborhood that we weren't willing uh, to live in, so that got marked off. The other one, the taxes were like outrageously high, and we were like, mm, no. We're not doing that one. And the third one, like we just, it was one that we loved online and we loved in person. It's in a great little neighborhood in Gladewater. Yeah. Um, and so we made an offer and the guy accepted. And so oh, nice. it was, it was crazy. It's just been like this crazy moment. And it's, it's just, it's really, it's cool. And like, I mean, Steve said, I mean, you got these highs and you got these lows. Um, you know, and I've definitely had the highest highs and the lowest lows in the last couple of weeks. So, well, I'm going to give you a quick heads up here because there is a distinct possibility that I'm going to disappear from this at some point during this time. Uh oh. I see my, my, my IT guy floating around in and out of the office. Nice. The and since our internet is running actually perfectly right now, um, I have a feeling he's working on something and hopefully it, it stays pretty solid for us. So, Perfect. That's um, what we like to hear. If I disappear, you'll know where I went. I didn't just completely drop off the face of the planet. That means you, chat. You have to. Uh, you'll have to be the Josh in carry with comments and everything. Um, <laughs> although I don't know if uh, it'll be interesting to see if um, Streamyard just shuts down or if it continues. No, it'll continue. Streamyard. Streamyard is the way to go. Um, well, hey, we're going to pick up. Uh, I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago. We've had. It's hard to believe. We started this conversation three weeks three weeks ago because we've had two in between wow um, time flies uh it really does it really does now, i'm talking about um you know when is god calling this this question that comes to i think everybody um we see it in uh, ministries and ministers with you know what what work is god calling me to do mm -hmm. um you see it with coaches a lot. You know, coaches have they have a life expectancy at a even at a program. And we've seen it with the big major programs and the big major sports. But there comes to a time where there comes a time where every coach has just reached a point where he's just not effective in that place anymore. Doesn't mean he's not a good coach. Doesn't mean he still doesn't have something to offer. But it may be time to move to a different um, context for that to be um, useful again. And I think a lot of times the same thing is true in ministry. The difficulty is determining, is God calling me to a new place that he has set for me to work? Mm -hmm. Or is Satan using this idea or this thought in our minds of God's call and his spirit, the way that works? Is Satan using that as a tool to take us away from a place where we are on the precipice of doing something um, really, really powerful for the kingdom? Right, um, and that's uh, that's kind of my biggest wrestle with anything is. Um, I was thinking on that one day, and I was like, you know, I got to pondering, particularly in churches of Christ. Right, the average lifespan of a, of a minister in a church of Christ is about five years. Whoa, um, and how long does it take to build the rapport and? the trust and the, and the faith of the church that you're serving in order for them to really and truly buy into your vision and to your, your dream about what's going on in that place. It takes about five years, right? 
And so for five years, you're kind of in this honeymoon phase. And right about the time that we are ready and primed to be very successful as a body, um, frequently either leadership gets kind of disenchanted with a minister or a minister gets disenchanted with a church or some other church calls and says, Hey, we're looking for a minister and your name came up and we want you to come here. And been there. Of, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, and so then we move to a new context where you have to start all over. Um, and you start, you got to start building that up again. And then this Roots. church that was primed and ready to do something great now begins that stage of starting over from square one again with someone else. And so we're leaving to do God's work and to serve his kingdom, but we're doing it in a way that is not as effective as it would have been had we just stayed in that place of discomfort at mm -hmm. the time and worked through it. Um, and so that was uh, when I was, I was talking with a friend and he brought that up to me and uh, I was, that really challenged me to, to think about how we view God's calling. And it really changed the way I process this question of how do I know, you know, that, that God is calling me somewhere. So. Well, and it shows that like, honestly, it shows that sometimes people, uh, or sometimes we can generalize and we can just go, Oh man, he just made that decision. Like, because they called him yesterday. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. Or, or um, like, sometimes we think like those transition moments, like they just happen. <clears throat> so quick right um but when we like truly and and when we teach about discerning god's will um you know there's a joke there's a joke right like there's there's companies that move slow and then there's church slow right <laughs> they're slower than molasses and then there's church slow um and i think uh for me personally like it used to really frustrate me uh but the longer i'm in ministry now sidebar there are some decisions that just need to be made and we need to move forward and we need to like stop dragging our feet on. Right. There mm -hmm. is that out there, but sometimes like we really do need to be that, um, that slow, that slow process of discerning God's will. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from searching where God is and going and serve where, where he's at, uh, and other things like that. But, um, but it, I don't think like our emotions are fleeting, right? Um, we've all right. left an elders meeting where you're like, I, I'm going to quit. I'm done. I'm out of here, right? And then the next morning you wake up and you're like, it's okay. Like, it, it'll be fine. It's okay, you know? Or we've all left an elders meeting. I, I've left a few and I was like, this is the best ever. These are the best guys ever. They're great. This is awesome. We're in sync. This is perfect never have, you know, um, and so our emotions can be all over the place. And so like discerning God's will for us, I think takes uh, a little bit more time and really tuning yourself in. And when I say that, like, I, I really feel like you've got to be like at the max of your game. Like you've got to be studying your, uh, studying your Bible. You've got to be, uh, I, I feel like you have to really dial into the Holy spirit, you know, uh, and to do that, you really have to dwell and put yourself in a position where you can hear God. And so, um, so uh, what am I trying to say? I 100% agree with you. <laughs> like, I 100% agree with you 
And it just like, there's a lot of thought and a lot of process and it's not easy. There's a lot of left and rights and a lot of back and forth. Uh, when you're going through this kind of a, of process, it's not just something because of everything that you just said that comes into play, um, you know, creating new roots, creating new relationships um, where you can be effective in ministry, right? Um, getting past the honeymoon stage where everyone keeps telling you you're awesome and they start telling you uh, what's really going to work and what's not going to work. Hey, you're really awesome, but this this doesn't work. So we need to do something different. Like you need to get to that phase faster so that you can be effective in your ministry. Um, yeah, and, and there's kind of all kinds of things that kind of call us away, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Stephen talks about when that elder, when that leadership changes, you know, sometimes as a minister, it's it would be easy for me to kind of uh, double down on where I'm at and say, no, man, I was here and you guys are coming in here. Uh, but sometimes we have to really open up our mind and say, look, I know that I'm not the guy that you chose or you weren't the guys that chose me. Um, if I still fit in your in who you believe God has called these people to be, then that's great. Um, if not, uh, I'm, I can move on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's a challenge to get to that place. I've kind of tried to train myself to be okay with being, um, maybe being a setup guy. Right. You know, like, like in baseball, you have a, you got the the starter and you got the closer, but somebody's got to get you to that to that closer, you know. And and sometimes there are some ministers who are called to come in to accomplish a task, and maybe that task is just to pre prepare a church for someone else to come along. Absolutely, um, a job oh, is kind of a calling, you know. Do I have a story about that? Thank you. I will take over while you read Jonathan's long comment because I know that's what you really want in life right now, as he's trying to read and uh, and talk. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly, in hindsight's 2020 and God vision, you know, is so huge, uh, when you're looking back at ministry, but I honestly, I honestly believe that Lauren and I's work in Washington state was, was to be the transition minister. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Orchard street was a wonderful place. I love those, uh, members, uh, there, it was a very difficult and challenging time. And man, did it put Lauren and I through like like the work of, of the goods and a lot of the bads of being in ministry full-time. But looking back, um, you know, I had just gotten there after a crucial cornerstone youth minister in the Puget Sound area, like went atheist. He just lost mm. all of his faith. And not only did he lose his faith, but then he started attacking uh, teenage and young Christians in their faith stripping it and tearing down the walls in which he had helped build, um, you know, in these foundation stones. Um, and so I, I walked in and this guy was running camps. He was doing um, uh, area wides, all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and that's what I walked into. Like I walked into youth ministers going, um, who's going to take over? Who's going to help lead this? Okay. Those are things that I'm, I, God's blessed me with that I enjoy doing. Uh, when right. you enjoy something, you usually do it a lot better. Um, the same thing came about when it came to like summer camps, you know, like uh, at Delano Bay. I kind of was there. Uh, and then a year into that job, we were only there two and a half years. But a year into that job, 
Uh, my buddy Brad Grow graduated from OC, needed a job. Bellevue just started looking. Uh, uh, their pulpit minister or their youth minister took a pulpit minister job in, uh, in C- Central Kitsap or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, you know, Brad came in, and I honestly feel like I was preparing the way for Brad and Lexi to come. And they're still there. They're still working at Bellevue. They're still making a difference. He still runs a lot of the camps out at Delano Bay uh, and leads these area-wides in this this Puget Sound group uh, of ministers because a lot of them are volunteers, so they don't have the time to do it full-time. And, and I look back, and I was like, man, that was, that was rough. That was hurting. And I, like, I went through a lot of lows. But then I look back, and I go, man, I kind of was like this glue, this rubber that kind of kept everything together for Brad to come and be that closer you know, and to be right. effective in the Puget Sound area. And I'm like, that is amazing about God's timing, about pulling me in at right at the right time, uh, using my gifts, my spiritual gifts uh, in those areas. And at that time, then, you know, what happened? We moved to Central and the same thing happened. Uh, you know, uh, the guy who was directing camp took another job. And all of a sudden we were like weeks out before camp. And I was like, <laughs> yo. I got one. It's chill. And so it's crazy. Hold on. I mean, don't hold on. Go. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to pull this up here. Jonathan, you know, talks about our uh, tendency to want to wait for that perfect solution that solves all the problems. Um, yeah. And just like we mentioned every time we leave this, uh, this podcast is do something or right. anything. Like, like sometimes there is the time just to, just to act. It might not be perfect, um, but to but to begin moving, not in a careless way, uh, but in a purposeful way, and then allow God to kind of go from there. Absolutely. When it, when it comes to determining, you know, God's voice, I kind of liken it to if you take Sam to a park, and it's a whole bunch of, you know, say you've got fifty kids out there. How many of those kids are yelling, "Mom, look! Dad, look!" Every single one of them. Um, 51 of the 50. Yeah. How many of them do you confuse for your own? Right. Um, early on, when they first start talking, um, it is confusing. Uh, but when you spend time with your child, you know their voice. And mm-hmm. when you spend time with your child, they know yours. Right. So when you say, hey, stop, they know instinctively you're talking to them because they know your voice. Right. Um, there are all kinds of parents who are there saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. Come over here. Let's do this. Be careful. And, you know, your child knows when you're speaking to them because they know your voice and they can discern your voice from the others in the crowd. Um, you talked about being in the word and, and and how are we going to discern God's voice if we don't spend time meditating on Absolutely. what it is that he's called us to be? And well, and that's what I was thinking was yeah. was meditating on God's word, taking that quiet time and being like these spiritual disciplines that are so crucial to us. Like if you're not plugged in, if you're not in sync with God, of course, you're going to hear all the white noise. You're going to hear everything. And so as a minister, like you might be in a rough place, but maybe it's because like you haven't been taking care of your spiritual boat. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, a boat that's well taken care of, that is ready and seaworthy is going to handle those waves of life uh, a lot better than a boat that hasn't been taken care of. And and as ministers, especially ministers, 
we can get so easily carried away and forget to do self maintenance uh, on ourselves. Um, you know, that's something that this transition time has really done for me is I've taken more time to prepare myself um, to jump into this new ministry position uh, because, yeah. um, because uh, you know, I, you just need to do that. Um, uh, and we need to do that constantly at well, self-care. I do want to, I do want to take a moment and just take acknowledge that um, any choice you make, mm. when you make it in faithfulness and in an attempt to bring him glory and to serve his kingdom, right? You know, God is going to use you and he's going to work, right? Yeah. So, so the question here isn't, can I go somewhere where God can't use me? Um, that's not the question. Question. The, que the question is, um, how do I get to a place um, that God can use me most effectively? Right. Mm -hmm. And how do, how do I determine? If this is a route that God is that God is leading me towards, or is Satan trying to distract me from something powerful that's about to occur that God wants to use me in? Um, and I'll and I'll share you know a story that a good friend of mine he uh, probably from making a, a big mistake and at the same time completely destroyed my mind and my world at the time. Um, I had this dude who was down in Baton Rouge from Topeka, Kansas. He was on a little mission trip down there. We were working. Yeah. No, I was uh, I was in a place where um, I mean we were happy here, and you know the work is going great here. Uh, but I'm talking about being disenchanted or disenfranchised, and we were in one of those moments where it had just been a rough few months. And I have a friend who's in Honduras. He had called me and he said. He goes, brother, I have a piece of property for you. It is yours if you want it. Um, for less than $100,000, you could be down here. We could have a new church built. We could have you a house built. And you could have a working fund set up for, for five years. And my wife was like, I would love to live in Honduras. And we were actually seriously contemplating moving to Honduras like on the verge of making the decision to go. And uh, you and I were on our way home. We're, you know, in the Jeep heading back to the house. And we were talking about this. And uh, you said something that I really didn't like you for in the moment, um, but it was true. You said, Josh, I think you've convinced yourself that the easy path for you is the path of sacrifice. Um, and then I, I was like, Stupid moron, you're my friend. You're supposed to be encouraging me to do what I want to do, you know? He said that um, out loud. I, I may have. That may have been when I drove you through a puddle and splashed you with water. Maybe. <laughs> splashed me with alligators. But uh, I said, what do you mean? And you said, you keep talking like you and your family moving to Honduras is a sacrifice. I said, but you know language, you know the people, you have the property, you have the support, you have the support of your wife, you have the support of your children. And it's something that you love and really desire to do. Said that doesn't sound like much of a sacrifice to me. Said, but you're here in this place, um, working in a country that's difficult to convince people they need something. Um, in a in a city that's hard to live in, with um, a culture that you don't really feel like you jive as a part of, and it's a struggle to get up and do the work that God has called you to do in this place. 
And you said, he said, I'm not telling you don't go to Honduras. He goes, I'm just telling you, if you go to Honduras, don't go thinking that you're making a sacrifice by going. Because the path of sacrifice would be the path to stay, to endure the trouble and the hardship that is here, to press forward in it, and then be better because of it. And, you know, that was just one of those points, even as, a, as an older Christian, that I kind of realized that truth that we've been talking about. Um, you can make that choice, but make it honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, be honest about what is truly sacrificial and where you can truly have the greatest, you know, impact for the kingdom of God. Uh, obviously, we uh, didn't move to Honduras. I'm, it's not um, out of the question in the future. Um, but looking back on it, I don't think it would have been the best move for my family um, or, or my ministry. And I look at the things that have transpired here over the last two years. And I think, man, if I would have made that choice in that emotional moment, um, I look back at the the crazy things that God has done in this, in this community, in this church and with these people and I said, you know, not only would I not have been here to be a part of that, but these things probably wouldn't have happened at all because somebody else coming in behind me would have had to start over from square one. Yeah. Um, and so that was a that was just a really powerful moment when it comes to really connecting with God's word, with his voice. So and you guys know, I don't remember saying any of that. Josh tells me this story quite a bit, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you got the wrong guy, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's only one dude that's ever been in my Jeep that wears chacos. So <laughs> it's true. Um it's a good fun stuff. story. Went to Texas, it's like 60 degrees. I walk in and uh, the secretaries are sitting there going, he's in shorts. It's like 60 degrees. And I'm like, I'm in shorts because it's like 60 degrees. <laughs> so that's just kind of funny. Yeah, that's uh, that's intense. Like, and there's, um, I don't know, there's, it's, people, people need to understand that, that ministry is difficult for a couple of reasons. It's difficult. It's difficult because it's that sacrificial life. It is so countercultural, and uh, how much you have to sacrifice as a minister. It's um, you take a beating all the time, and you really have to do it because you love God and you love His people and you love His church. Um, and uh, it's hard, and sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side to somewhere else. Um, but I mean, it is just uh, it, these decisions weigh heavy on their hearts. Um, they really do. And so, um, because as a minister, like we love, we love God's people. We do. We love stinky sheep, um, because we're right. a stinky sheep and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we know we're flawed. Mm -hmm. You know how hard it is to look in the mirror and know you're flawed. And then God say, yeah, but I love you. And I'm going to use you to preach and teach about all these other things. And you have to constantly preach and teach uh, these things that most of the time, like sometimes you're really struggling with it yourself. Like when a preacher makes a joke and says, you know, yeah, and I'm, I'm really preaching this to myself. They're not joking. It's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a joke. Don't laugh. <laughs> like they're being serious. Okay. Uh, when I tell the teens that like, I'm like, and I'm really wrestling with this, which is why I'm really studying it and why I'm teaching it to you. Um, because, I am struggling with this. So I know that you, it's come across your mind. So like these things like this, like they weigh heavy on our hearts and, and that's hard. 
uh, that's hard to do. Um, you know, and so, um, I don't, I don't even know where, at, where we're at in the questions. Uh, if we're, we can't really pull this into a part three, but, um, uh, so discerning God's word and, and when God is calling us is is really is really hard to do, um, but it's something that we have to do. Uh, and I think this applies this applies a lot bigger. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, we get it, like it's hard when a minister has to decide if they're going to move or not. Nah, I think you're missing it. I think whenever your church is making a big decision on, hey. We are going to be a part of this summer program that feeds these kids in the summer because they don't get a meal because school's mm -hmm. out. Okay, you guys need to pray and you need to discern God's will. And then I think that allows you to have that confidence to really commit. Not just like, oh, yeah, I gave 20 bucks to do this. But, hey, I gave up a Saturday to go and meal prep so that you know, these kids can eat, you know, when we, when right. we really, and that is that whole, like putting two feet in getting behind a ministry going, this is what God has called his church to do. And I'm going to do this. That's, that's what it's like. And when we discern God's will, and when we take this time to tune into the Holy spirit and we get supportive and behind these ministries, that's how they succeed. A ministry does not succeed because you just donated money and now the minister uh, or the deacon or the two families that do 80% of all the ministries in the church like get involved with it. They do it when you get passionate in serving God. It doesn't matter what the ministry is. It doesn't matter if you're like, oh, I'm really into feeding the homeless. I'm really into building houses on Honduras. I'm really into it. No, I'm really passionate about serving God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And when we discern God's will, we are sacrificing and surrendering ourselves to where God is calling us and what he wants us to do. And, and you can even take that in the world as well. Um, yeah. As we're talking about it in the context of, of ministry and ministry leaders, but the truth is, understand what it is to be a Christian, that mm -hmm. we are all ministers. Oh, um, totally. You know, we may be ministers as CPAs. We may be ministers as doctors, um, but we are all called to minister to the world. And so, you know, the same thing can be said about, you know, if I'm going to take a, a secular job somewhere else, is this mm -hmm. a job that God can use me more effectively in, mm -hmm. um, you know, or has he, has he set me up in this place to do something in this context absolutely yeah and so it's a even if even though we are looking at it from a minister's perspective you know this is true from every walk of life because mm -hmm. that's who we are as christians shaped by the cross in everything that we do everything and, and there's not one corner of our lives that the shadow of the cross doesn't touch right and if that's the way we're living um then even if i am a car mechanic or uh, a trash truck driver or a ceo Trash you know, truck driver. Whatever, whatever it is, you know, I can glorify and serve God in that calling. That's true. In, in that career. So it's like that purpose driven faith, right? Uh, such a good book and such a, such a good model and a good um, devotional read for us. Right. All right. What did he say? No, I, I like it. He said, I want to get golf balls into a screen with a golf pro watching. 
And he looked at his swing and said, I can work with that. I said, that's how God looks at us. Um, yeah. <laughs> Except for that guy looked at your swing, dad, and, and was like, I can make some money off of that swing. Because yeah. this guy's going to need a lot of lessons. <laughs> I like that, though. I can work with that. Hey, we got a, a few minutes left before we start wrapping up. And, you know, we can get into something a little more, a little lighter here. Yeah, um, let's lighten it up. What are the, the pains and joys of starting um, something new, a new ministry I think or a new work? For me, one of the biggest pains is is ministry is so driven by relationship, right? We've talked about that. That's why this pandemic's been so hard um, is, is because, you know, ministry is so based off of relationship. And, you know, you can't have a relationship, you know, with this, you know, um, you know, you can text and everything like that, but that's, that's not a relationship. That's not a friendship. Um, and so we have, um, um, you know, for me, one of the biggest pains is, is leaving my kids, right? Like I've got, I've got a group of kids here that are my kids, right? I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of what they've done. They annoy me and they can be like the worst, but I love every minute of them. I do. Uh, I love their groans and I love their cheers. I love to see their accomplishments uh, and I'm going to miss them. I'm going to miss them dearly. And that's going to be hard. And, and I know everyone's saying, well, you can keep up with them. And if they call or text or Instagram and Facebook and you're right. And I will, um, that that'll never change. Uh, but it's different than being there for them. And that yeah. goes more than the teens that goes for some of the members at central. I will, I will dearly, dearly miss that relationship, those friendships. I have a picture that uh, pops up once a year. Um, I don't know why it always chooses this one to come up on my uh, memories feed, but uh, memories. Um, you know, it was that uh, that last session of camp when um, mm. you know I told the I told the teens I had told my teens already that we were leaving, but we announced the camp that you know we we were moving to Baton Rouge and. Baton Rouge. You know, it was just. There's a picture of me in the middle Oof. surrounding me. Um, and, you know, you talk about leaving those kids. It's like, you know, you've invested so much of yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much of yourself in these. Like, at, uh, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to put it into words that, it is. that it's just like, I knew when we came to this place because of the way things happened, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was, was calling us to this place to serve. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but once we said, okay, we're going every step along the way kind of brought me to this place where it was like, I don't know if I'm making the right choice. <laughs> and, right, yeah. And, and so it comes from being torn apart from those people who you have invested your heart and soul into, you know, for years and years. And knowing that me leaving was going to put them in a place where someone else could come and continue that work mm -hmm. in, in maybe even a more effective way. Mm -hmm. um, and that God had prepared me to do something else with another group of people. And he had prepared them for me to come and take those, to take that space. Even knowing all that, leaving those relationships you've built is so hard. And knowing that you've got to start over creating new ones. Um, you know, it is a challenge. The The good thing about it, though, is all of my stuff is new, right? Yes, all of my I'm stories are to new. Say. 
I was about to say, like, one of the best parts is, like, Jonathan, like, said it, like, we can't be stagnant. Like, you may be hitting home runs at your church, like, these knockout awesome ideas and devotionals. And to everybody else, they're just, like, used to it, right? They're just like, yeah, I mean, that's cool, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's like, that was really fun and that was really awesome, but, duh, that's what you do. So it's, like, the norm. Uh, so one of the exciting things is getting to a place and you're like, all right, tonight we're going to read through God's word. And they're like, what? That's awesome. <laughs> I've never done that before. You know, and, okay, now that's a dramatic, like, I was just being, but, you know, but that's the way it is. Like, I mean, so there's that excitement and people, there's that, there is the hype. There's the hype of a new youth minister, the new preacher. You're right. The story, uh, I cannot wait to tell some Camp Hill stories at, at Pine Tree, you know, because everyone here at Central knows my Camp Hill stories. <laughs> You know, can't use those in sermons anymore um, or my uh, working at Jack in the Box stories. You know, um, uh, I can't wait. And you know what? This is this is even the better. This is this is even better. OK, I'm excited to tell some central stories yeah, uh, at okay. Pine Tree. Be like, well, when I was working uh, in Topeka, Kansas, because Topeka's heard all about my Washington stories. <laughs> That's right. Now I have Washington and Kansas stories because if I tell a a, a central or a, a Kansas story now, I always have one kid who goes, "Wasn't that Megan?" You know, and I'll be like, "I didn't say their name on purpose." <laughs> you know, um, you know. So it's just like, you know, so that'll be that'll be kind of fun. That'll be good. Another joy is. Um, is like seeing those old. Um, we don't need to talk about that, Dad. Okay, just delete this comment. Um, is seeing your old youth group like I'm excited if they continue to go to Winterfest to be working with Pine Tree and then to look across the crowd and see my see my central kids, you know, at, at Winterfest yeah. and be like, ah, oh, this is awkwardly cool, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I I'm excited about those possibilities or even. Um, I have a couple members like Gary Souter who travels through Texas all the time. They drive through Tyler, which is pretty close. You know, he said, well, we might just uh, plan our trip where we swing by uh, and, and see you. And Gary is like a grandpa to me. Uh, and so I would be super proud to show him around and say, hey, look at this is this is what I'm doing now. Uh, right. So those are kind of some of those joys. Um um, you know, I'm enjoying right now. I have three Wednesdays left. Oh, I, I have three Sundays left. Uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I have these three Sundays and that I can be meaningful, uh, on those three Sundays and try to leave some parting wisdom, but it's definitely difficult and hard. Mm -hmm. So you got a behind the beards moment. I think the behind the beards moment is guys, we're human. Okay. Um, now, um, I think my really the my behind the beard moment is is this whole idea. I'm trying to not show that I spilled coffee on my <laughs> shirt. I know everyone saw it. Don't worry, it's fine. Well, um, no, the behind the beard moment for me is when we're talking about discerning God's will. It's not for me. It wasn't just wake up and you pray once. Um, you know, uh, uh, Gideon when he puts out the golden fleece, right? It's so funny to me because before I had to make these big decisions, I was like, what a loser. Like he had to ask God a second time and do it the opposite way. 
and now I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> like if I was Gideon, I'd probably ask the third or fourth time been like, okay, but now light the fleece on fire, but allow the barn to not burn, you know, uh, or something like that. Um, because when we're discerning God's will and we're truly like, and we are scared and we do have that fear. Um, I think the story of Gideon is a great, a great way of showing like God is trying to call this guy to do this, this judge to do this, but he was kind of scared. Um, and, and sometimes like transitioning jobs, like I won't, I won't lie to you, Lauren and I have to pray constantly and say, God, we know this is the path, but give us the courage to continue to do this because there's money questions. Can we find a house? What's Lauren going to do for a job? What are we going to do with Sam when we get there? You know, here we're blessed to have free childcare. Mm-hmm. All these are still questions that are rocking on our plate, on our table. And nothing is worse when somebody looks at you straight in the eye and says, well, what are you going to do about this? And you're like, I don't know yet. Cause God hasn't answered that yet. That's right. You know, which is probably what I'm going to start saying when somebody asks, well, what are you guys going to do with Sam? I don't know. God hasn't answered that yet. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, it's, not, it's not an answer you can argue with. Right. I can just, <laughs> I'll leave him home anyway. with Bella. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that I know it'll work out because we didn't know what we were going to do with Sam uh, when we had him. Cause I knew Lauren right. was going to go back to work at four months and God provided, God provided the best childcare we could have ever hoped for. Um, so the behind the beard moment is, is to remember that these, some of these decisions, they take a while. And maybe if you're too hot to make that flip decision, that maybe you're doing it out of your passion and your emotion and not truly trying to tap into what God's calling you to do. Um, that does not apply to what color should we paint the teen room. <laughs> right, right. And I would just add, um, you know, if you really want to be able to discern that voice, um, you've got to spend time listening to it. And so you know, prepare, it takes so much preparation ahead of time, you know, a life of intentionality that is going to spend every day listening to God's voice, meditating on his word, mm-hmm. reading the Psalms. Um, and it's, that's the hard thing for me because I spend a lot of time in God's word. Um, but it's a lot of time in God's word to prepare a class or to prepare a sermon or to prepare an answer for someone's question. And that doesn't really prepare me personally Mm-mm. to to really stay in tune with the Spirit of God in the way that He calls, the way that He wants to use me. Um, so be intentional about that personal one-on-one time with the Word of God, um, so that when all of these voices come around, I'm able to discern which one is the voice of God and which one is the voice of my own self that's trying to convince me to to go some direction that I want to go that maybe not uh, be the best thing for me or for the church. Um, and spend those moments of intentionality ahead of time so that when the moment comes, we're, we're prepared for it. Absolutely. Man, I, I love this podcast. Hey, I, I thank you guys for being here. I truly do. Uh, Josh and I, we, uh, we had an exit interview uh, with one of our uh, guests. He kind of grilled us. He was like, where do you want this podcast to go? Uh, and, and what do you want? Like, what are you trying to do with it? And we're like, we both looked at him and said, it's medicine for us. It's therapy for us. Uh, we just enjoy it and we love it. I'm glad that you guys are here. 
I'm glad that you're telling your friends about us. I'm glad that people are watching the show post. There's a lot of people who watch the show, not live. And I thank you guys for, for watching it, uh, not live too. I mean, I, I really appreciate it. It makes me excited that people actually like care uh, about what we say. Um, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, but anyway, I, we did, <laughs> I want to say that with like, without being like unhumble. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Okay. Sorry. Uh, basically I want you to just know we love you and we're right. thankful that you guys are here. Uh, truly. Uh, we want to thank you guys for being here today. We also want to remind you of something uh, that we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, Galatians six, nine, don't grow weary in doing good. Uh, do not grow weary in doing good. Uh, this world is messy. This life is messy. So allow Christ to use you and do something different, something in God's name, something good. Uh, I'm Aaron, and this is Josh, and we'll see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard, a man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beard.